Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. The book of Philippians is concerned with the experience and enjoyment of Christ, and these issue in our joy and rejoicing. Yet among the Philippian believers, there was much dissension in their thinking, dissension which troubled the Apostle Paul. He even asked them to think the same thing, even think the same one thing, that in this way they might make his joy full. Paul had given them such positive fellowship in the first chapter. Now he desires them to return this fellowship, to support him in his imprisonment. This mutual fellowship in the body of Christ is what we'll look at in today's Life Study of the Bible and the Book of Philippians. And joining us for our fellowship on this marvelous portion, Dick Taylor. How are you today, Dick? Very good, Chris, and I am so happy to participate in this portion in Philippians. We want to see the normal, healthy experience of enjoying Christ. Dick, the apostle was not nearly as bothered, it seems, by his imprisonment in this Roman jail as he was by the fact that the Philippian believers were not of the same mind, were not thinking the same thing. Let's look at the first four verses in chapter 2. Actually, these verses make up one very long sentence. If there is therefore any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship of spirit, if any tenderheartedness and compassions, make my joy full that you think the same thing, having the same love, joined in soul, thinking the one thing, doing nothing by way of selfish ambition nor by way of vainglory, but in lowliness of mind considering one another more excellent than yourselves, not regarding each his own virtues, but each the virtues of others also. Dick, before we go to Witness Lee, this is not just ethical uh, instruction from the apostle. There is something much more profound and organic here, isn't there? There surely is, because he's describing what should be the normal, healthy experience and enjoyment of Christ. And there is one life that doesn't have any of these negative things, and that's the life that he mentioned in chapter 1, and we're supplied with by the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Dick, that's a good intro. Let's go to Witness Lee for the first portion of his fellowship today. Because the apostle experienced so much of Christ, so he could give us such a strong picture concerning his experience of Christ in chapter 1. Now in chapter 2, he came to the uh, believers to ask them to return their fellowship to the apostle. By what way? By a kind of a appealing way. He appealed. He begged even. He said, if you do have 
any encouragement in Christ toward me. If you do have some consolation of love concerning me, if you do have some fellowship in spirit with me, if you do have a tender heart with compassion toward me, please make my joy full. I rejoice over you. But, Philippians, you must realize there was something among you that frustrated me from rejoicing in full. I do have some joy, but I don't have the full joy over you. Now, I beg you to make my joy full. Surely, this kind of a utterance in this kind of writing must be out of an old and experienced person. The way he expressed himself was fully matured. The apostle, he had such a strong, passive fellowship in chapter 1 toward the believers. Now, the believers should return such a wonderful fellowship to the apostle. The Philippines were very good, and the church there was very well established. But one bothering thing among them, that was some dissension there. They were one in spirit, but they were not working striving with one soul. So, he appealed to the Philippines. Philippines, if you do have some consolation, some encouragement, some fellowship, some tenderheartedness, and some compassion toward me, make my joy full by thinking the same thing. By being with the one soul. By having no more dissension. Your dissension becomes a heavy burden to me. Well, Dick, there's many things given Paul's uh, environment that could have been a heavy burden, but what he identifies as his real burden was the dissension among the Philippian believers. That's, that's quite striking. Let's look at the manner in which he addressed them. Why does he inquire in such a way whether there's any encouragement in Christ, any consolation of love, any fellowship of spirit, or any tenderheartedness and compassions? As our brother mentioned uh, when he was speaking, Chris, the traffic here in this epistle appears to be kind of one way. Paul poured out in chapter 1, showing such a marvelous Christ and the experience and the enjoyment of Christ, living him and magnifying him and being supplied to live such a life by the bountiful spirit of Jesus Christ. But he was seeing no return, no response, no uh, two-way traffic. Rather than being encouraged and refreshed by them, he was troubled. His real concern was not his imprisonment even that they were praying for him in prison. His real concern for them was that they would really experience and enjoy Christ. And the sign of that and the indication of that is that they would really have the proper oneness 
and harmony among themselves. They would have the testimony of the oneness of the body of Christ, but rather he heard about dissension. So his real concern was that there was dissension among them, so their experience and enjoyment of Christ was not what it should be. He was really burdened. They would think the same thing, think the one thing, and he was concerned about them not just having Christ in their spirit, but they would even be joined and made one in soul. This would really make his joy full. Paul's desire was that there would be two-way traffic, not just his pouring out, but there would be a healthy response from the ones whom he loves. I was thinking of 1 John 4 where John says, if someone loves God, he cannot hate his brother, (laughs) or he should not even have rivalry with his brother. But here in this epistle, we see what was happening. Yes, they all loved the Lord, but there was some dissension among them, even some rivalry among them, indicating that there was something lacking in their experience and enjoyment of Christ. So Paul's burden was to bring them back to the healthy enjoyment and experience of Christ. He indicated here that they were standing one in spirit, and Christians love to talk about being one in spirit, but uh, according to the epistle here, that's not sufficient, is it? That's not sufficient because in chapter 1 he even said, How about your conduct in the gospel? Not only that you stand together in one spirit, but you strive together with one soul. So the Lord's desire is that he could move not only in our spirit, but move into our soul, that we could enjoy the perfected oneness of Christ growing in us and transforming us to build us up in himself for the testimony of our experience and enjoyment of him. Well, there's a lot to be commended in Philippi. Overall, uh, it was a pretty good church, Dick. But like any church, like all of us, there is some defect here. There's some sickness. In this coming section, we're going to hear Witness Lee's diagnosis and then his remedy. Let's go back to him. To think the same thing is, number one, having the same love. We all love each other, yet our love may be on different level. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't say this, having the same love. Then, secondly, joined in soul. Philippians, you are joined in spirit, but you are not joined in soul. If we are joined in one soul, I should love everyone the same. Then, doing nothing by way of revelry. Now by way of vainglory. To get rid of all the things, we need to have our soul with our mind, emotion, thoroughly dealt with. Reverie, vainglory, always exists very hiddenly within us. Paul says, among you, some reverie exists. Some among you are seeking after vainglory. And this bothers me. This causes me not to be joyful in full. If you do have a consolation of love toward me, please, please make my joyful doing nothing by way of reverie. Not by way of being glory, but in lowliness of mind, Amen. counting 
one another more excellent than yourselves. Not so easy. Then, not regarding each his own things. And the things here, according to context, must refer to virtues and qualities. Do not regard your own virtues and qualities, but rather the virtues and qualities of others also. How you regard your virtues and qualities, you have to regard others' virtues and qualities in the same way. Dick, we do want to be Christians who are full of joy, believers that not only enjoy Christ, but would have been able to make the apostles' joy full here as well. Uh, help us, uh, if you would, try to apply this word about regarding others more excellent than ourselves to the experiencing and enjoying Christ. I think a big help here, Chris, is even to see the Lord Jesus himself as a pattern. In this chapter, too, we see the Lord Jesus as a real pattern. There's a real pattern in the Trinity. We see here with the Son, Paul says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. In chapter 2, we see the Lord Jesus as our real pattern. Listen to verse 5 and a few verses after that. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider being equal with God a treasure to be grasped. But the Philippian believers were kind of grasping, trying to get ahead of the other, Right. Uh, and this is the, the vainglory and the rivalry. But the Lord was not like this. But the Lord emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, becoming in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. So he wasn't at all like Paul's description of what was happening with the Philippian believers. He humbled himself, becoming obedient even unto death, and that the death of the cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him, and we know he gave him a name above every name. So to apply this word, that we might have the real testimony of experiencing enjoying Christ in oneness, we need first of all to see the Lord Jesus is our pattern. But he is not just a pattern that is objective and far away, and we're just here trying to imitate in an outward way. But this wonderful pattern, Jesus Christ, in resurrection became the life-giving spirit so that he could get inside of all the believers. He's inside the Philippian believers. He's also inside of us today. Our need is to enjoy this pattern and to open our being to this pattern and let this pattern fill us and let this pattern be lived out of us. So even in chapter 2, it says one way— to really participate in this pattern and to allow him to be lived out of us is to call on his name. Through our daily life, if we would just say, Oh, Lord, Lord Jesus, I need you. As we open our being, then spontaneously, the life of the pattern becomes our life. Otherwise, we just try to outwardly imitate. We do need to see him as a model, but to just merely imitate will never work will still end up with rivalry and vainglory. We need the life of the dear pattern himself who is in our spirit. This chapter also mentions at one point that we're children of God, indicating we have his life and his nature. So we need to enjoy his life. We need to partake of his nature so that spontaneously we would be people who live him out.
Then we'll have the proper experience and enjoyment of Christ and be builded together in oneness in Christ to be a proper testimony. Then the apostle's joy is really made full. Dick, according to this book, uh, the experience of Christ that is being presented by Paul to the Philippian believers is not an individual experience, but it's a matter of mutuality among themselves and between them and the apostle. Mutuality is the key that Witness Lee is going to open up for us in this final portion. Let's go back to him. You must take a kind of an overall view. You have to realize that this whole book is on the experience of Christ. And this experience of Christ is a mutual thing. It is not just your one side thing. We can never have the experience of Christ as one side thing. You cannot, neither can I, experience Christ individualistically. The experience of Christ must be something in the body. Whatever is in the body, it must be something in fellowship, in mutuality. In these two chapters, you look at the picture. It shows us a proper fellowship between the believers and the apostles for the normal experience of Christ. By that time, all the Philippine believers, they loved the Lord. All of them were in the church, but they had a kind of abnormal experience. Why? Because among themselves, there was a dissension. Number one. And number two, their attitude toward the apostle was not absolute. If their attitude toward the apostle was absolute, they would right away take the word of the apostle to think the same thing, having the same love, join in soul, thinking the one thing, doing nothing by the way of revelry, now by the way of vainglory, but counting one another more excellent than themselves. Then they would all the time not only regard their own virtues, but also others. If they would be so, they are balanced. And they are normal in experiencing Christ. The whole book is on the enjoyment of Christ. But... This enjoyment of Christ must be a body matter, a mutual matter, a matter of the proper mutuality. If our attitude is wrong toward the apostles, surely we could not be right in our attitude toward one another. What our attitude is toward the apostles is a test of our real situation. If our attitude is wrong toward the apostles, then our situation must be abnormal. Then our experience of Christ could never be normal. 
Kick, we have several things mentioned here uh, related to their experience. Uh, it was not balanced. Uh, there were some attitude problems. And he is using this matter of their attitude toward the apostle really as a kind of a test, a benchmark of their uh, actual experience in Christ. This ended on somewhat a negative note, but uh, you have a marvelous ability, Dick, to turn things positively. So how can we learn from the situation here of the Philippians to bring our own experience into that which would be balanced and normal in mutuality? I would say, Chris, number one is we really need to see the burden of the apostle in this epistle. He was really longing for the mutuality, indicating that the normal, healthy experience and enjoyment of Christ is not an individualistic matter, but it's really something of the body. And in this case, it's a mutual relationship between the believers and the apostle. The real enjoyment of Christ is really found in the oneness of the body. Number two, I feel we really need to open ourselves to get recovered back to this healthy mutuality, and out of just the view of living an individualistic Christian life. This epistle really helps us to get into this proper, healthy view of a life in the body of Christ Mm -hmm. so that we could really enjoy Christ. Thirdly, I feel like we really need to cry out to the Lord, Lord, have mercy on me. Enlighten me that I might really see this mutuality, I might freshly see the body of Christ, and I might live a Christian life in the context of the body and not just individualistically, because then neither the apostles' need could be met, and for sure God's need can't be met, because his desire is the body for Christ, for his expression, and even for his pleasure. The last thing I would say, Chris, about entering into this normal experience of the Christian life, really enjoying Christ, is pick up the practice that's unveiled in this book over and over again in every chapter. You know what that is? What? Rejoice in the Lord. Amen. If we really rejoice in him, there's a footnote in the recovery version. It says, we have the strength to maintain the oneness. If so, even rejoicing in the Lord is just a little key to keep us in the mutuality and the oneness of the body of Christ so that we would have a normal, healthy experience and enjoyment of Christ every day. Amen. Dick, we need to rejoice in the Lord always. Amen. Thank you, Dick, for your fellowship. A rejoicing and a joyful experience to be with you today. Hallelujah, brother. Dick mentioned the recovery version in the footnotes. It's been a while since we've said anything about that, really. Uh, That is a very valuable tool. If you're enjoying these broadcasts, uh, we have a a fresh translation from the uh, Greek manuscripts into the English language, a marvelous translation of the Bible directly. But it's also accompanied by more than 9,000 footnotes that really encapsulate the heart of this ministry. So if you uh, are intrigued and enjoy these portions that you hear day by day, uh, we would highly recommend the recovery version. And you can contact us to find out about uh, the various forms in which it comes and uh, prices and things like that. Our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. For Dick Taylor today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening.
Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening. Was Jesus simply a great religious leader? The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1, verse 29. Based on the scriptures, the religious people were looking for a great leader, but Jesus was introduced to them as a little lamb with a little dove. The lamb is for redemption, to redeem fallen man back to God, and the dove is for life-giving, for anointing, to anoint man with what God is, to bring God into man and man into God. Both the lamb and the dove are needed for man to participate in God. Scripture, John 1.29, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.